It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Show us a game. Like, we can still pipe in the sound somehow, but <laughs> get us a game that we can watch and uh, and watch our guys go at it. So I, I think that uh, that'll be interesting to see if that plays out at all. First down. Hey, Don, last week you said that you may go away and you'd come back with some research on player contracts. So what have you found out? Well, it was kind of interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a dive when you get into those types of uh, documents, but it was kind of fun. There's a lot of particulars that I was not aware, but it was fascinating. In terms of the, it was the Philip Gagnon situation That's right. being released post-free agency prior to training camp. Would his contract carry with? The answer is no. Uh, he did sign with the Alouettes, as you called, would happen. But uh, most of the particulars with contracts, especially when it comes to releases, has to do with the timing in the season as opposed to timing outside of the season. Now, there are certain guarantees. You get paid X, until X date and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to, like, let's say, a, a veteran of Gagnon's stature, mm-hmm. there are more sort of riders attached to if you do this in season as opposed to outside so a six-year veteran for example you have to kind of if you're going to dump his salary you're going to have to dump it (laughs) prior to the ninth game of the season or you're going to be carrying that weight for the rest of the year Uh, the the you know the the changes are a fifth year it's 10 games a four-year veteran it's 11 and then pretty much the 14th game of the season for everybody else so that's kind of a short abridged version, but it it does make you wonder right. how um, they arrive at these numbers. But I guess uh, ultimately it's give and take on both sides. What well, is and it makes sense that the rookie players or someone who's new into the CFL could be released a little bit earlier um, without penalty or even held on to a little bit longer. Um, you know the guarantee. I guess like you said, after six years they are going to get the remainder of their salary if they're released after the ninth game. Is that correct? For a six-year, yes. On the date of the ninth game, the six-year player gets that salary guaranteed. And then that basically means to the team, if you're going to lay out the money in the first place for a player of this stature, you had better trust that you made the right decision. And, And that way, your years of service mean something as well in the league, that you're not just cast aside because you're just not needed no the fact that you've been there for six years does count for something well that makes sense and uh, so this could be as we talked about last week uh, looking at a bit of a salary dump when we talk about Kenyon. it does impact in terms of when you can do this and that's exactly what your point was last week you have to give to get and if you're looking at Walker or Tasker, it's interesting. I read an article on the CFL.ca that the Ticats are still open to signing Tasker. The sort of the read that I got from Steinauer in the article was that uh, they haven't gotten too far with negotiations, but he said it's up to Tasker to decide what's best for him. So I don't know if maybe the Ticats are maybe not willing to pay as much, and maybe that's the issue. That's right. Uh, there was no sort of hint of that, but it's just speculation on my part, but it does make you wonder. Well, in his interview, Steinauer did say that, you know, that the Ticats like um, 
like him and, and are interested in having Tasker, but uh, they weren't ruling out that he would play with the Ticats again. So it wasn't a all or nothing. I'm, I'm sure it does come down to contracts and making things work within the salary cap. Yes, it, it certainly does. And uh, if um, they're interested, then I think there's probably room to make it happen. He did heap a lot of accolades on the person. And I think if a coach really likes you, then probably there's some discussion in the back room about let's find a way to sign him. Well, it may be uh, coming into the preseason when they they're, they see who they're going to keep. And if they've got some rookies, they can displace some salary by cutting some veterans, potentially. They'll have some money for Tasker as well. Well, the Ticats are in a unique situation because uh, they've got, I think it's a dozen nationals on the offensive line that are available to them. So there's opportunities through trade to make moves if you need to. It's kind of a, a good situation when you have more than you need because then that leaves you options, as you indicate. Well, we'll see what happens with uh, Tasker. He's one of our outstanding people, but there's there's some more people out there as well that uh, we still haven't seen signed. So. Walker being the biggest one, I think. We've mentioned that name just about every podcast. Yeah, we may have to uh, let him go at some point, but uh, hopefully, hopefully something will happen soon and he will sign or who knows. He'll find his way somewhere, I'm sure of it, because he's just too valuable a commodity Agreed. as a as a tremendous numbers guy and a tremendous touchdown rate. Mm-hmm. You just can't ignore that. You sure can't. Second down. And with COVID-19 all around, altering people's lives, people's schedules. The CFL is no different. They're being impacted already by the fact that COVID-19 is about. And one of the first things to be changed was the uh, global draft. That's right. Uh, In addition to canceling the um, varsity uh, combines, the global draft is now over. And my understanding is it was supposed to be on April 16th, and it's been postponed at this point to the front of training camp. Which would be in May. And... If that's the case, then we hope by then they can still pull it off. But, of course, a lot of things are still up for grabs. The other impact, of course, which comes out of a different way, is that the XFL has suspended its season. And although players are technically in a contract for another month or two, mm-hmm. they have stated to them that if you do wish and do have an offer that's a legitimate offer from CFL or NFL, you can go. And already we see some doors being knocked upon. We do. Um, what's interesting, though, is is if they let them go, are they going to have to pay them? Because as I understand it, as of right now, they're paying the players in the XFL to May 31st. Um, so will we see some signings come up later, potentially the beginning of June? That could be because of that very same rider that you just talked about, that if you sign after the first, then you still get the the, the paycheck until the end of May. Of course, if you want to get ahead of the curve, you might go to the team and say, I've got this offer. You can let me out of the contract now and move forward. So it's always that juggling game. It's like free agency, right? Do you want to sign day one? Because everyone's chomping at the bit, but you think maybe demand will outweigh supply by day two, or do you wait to day two and find out the money just isn't there? Well, that's it. I'm sure teams will start having some discussions if they're interested in any of the people. The, the rumor that we've heard right now is SJ Green is potentially rumored to uh, 
be heading towards the S, or at least the S have expressed an interest in him. There's an old history with him and Milanovic. It goes all the way back to Montreal when he was there. Absolutely. And so, I mean, there, there's certainly the other players we've talked about previously, Derek Dennis, um, Amante Edwards, Jalen Saunders, who has been out of the CFL, I believe, since 2019 when the Ticats cut him. You know, there's a number of players who are available, plus some that the uh, CFL would have had some film work on some of the games and take a look at some of the other players in the XFL as well. We've got Whitlock, I think, is one of the guys that's available that might draw some interest. Of course, there's guys on neg lists that may show up on CFL rosters. It really sort of, it's it's a funny place to be in, I guess, if you're the CFL, because you don't anticipate these people becoming available and all of a sudden the door just went open and here they all are. And now you've kind of Mm -hmm. moved forward in all of your budgeting and suddenly a lot of decent talent has shown up. What do you do? Well, decent talent. And for many of the teams, they're going to have players on their name list that, that, you know, have shown that in, in a professional game of the XFL, at least they've been able to produce. So you're right. It's going to be interesting to see the contracts that come out of there and the players that do come north, you know, I imagine there'll be some for sure. I would think so as well. How many, I don't know. One per team, two per team, not too sure. NFL may grab a couple. It's hard to say, but uh, certainly I think there's going to be enough interest that a few of these people are going to be picked up. There are. I, I want to go back to the, uh, the global draft. My understanding, Don, is that the um, CFL is going to bring in 60 players who would then uh, have a chance to go through a combine type of situation and the teams would draft them and they would move immediately into their um, preseason routines of the 45 that would be drafted. So the interesting thing of that would be, you know, you've got 60 players that you're intending to fly over, but, uh, you know, as of right now, um, all flights are suspended. So you do wonder what's going to happen. Are they going to have to have players do some sort of you know, combine on their own or testing on their own gets verified and then teams will draft them from there. I think agility is going to be the huge part of this next 90 days in terms of what the CFL does. And if they're open to the idea of having these guys just put film on and, you know, sending it across, I mean, it's easy enough to do it a multitude of ways, then you can certainly think of it that way. I just don't know. I I know a lot of teams want to meet the person. They want to get a sense of what their attitude is like and what their desire is like and certainly get a read on certain stats, which we know sometimes are fudged. You know, not everybody's 6'2 and 210. Yeah, I I think that's going to be tough for the CFL and it may impact the the global players in the CFL this year. Um, Even if you are able to get someone as early as May, uh, you don't know who you're getting necessarily. And, uh, it will, be, it will be interesting to see how that draft goes and whether or not the Globals that are drafted will be playing in the league this year, if the league indeed goes ahead as projected for training camp. Third Down Gamble. News has come out that two CFL personnel staff have come down with COVID-19. Travis Brown, linebacker coach with the Eskimos, and somebody on the uh, BC Lions football operations staff. We haven't received exact word whom that may be, but nonetheless, it is impactful. It certainly is. Um, you know, we, we knew it was probably only a matter of time, but uh, the concern is, of course, when you get someone like a linebacker coach 
in the off season, they're going to be doing some work. If he happens to be in the facilities or connecting with some players previous, um, we've got a two week period that's unknown as to are other people potentially impacted by this. And, and this is the issue with COVID. Uh, once it gets into a football operations area, you know, it's going to change things. So even if training camp opens in May and we have people who still have the virus, um, it's going to be difficult to move forward. I can't agree more. Uh, the social transmission side of the equation is what now seems to be what people are focusing on. And Dr. Tam has mentioned that repeatedly in her press conferences. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think we just cannot downplay is this whole business of if I walk into the room and I've got it, but maybe I'm just beginning to show symptoms and I don't really recognize it as yet. And now there's 50 people in that room. How many of those people are going to come down with it? They're going to move to wherever they're going next. Things just move down the line. It is. It's uh, exponential growth in situations like that, which is why we're in the period of social isolation. And, uh, you know, our hope, and we mentioned this last week, but our hope is that, uh, you know, all of our listeners are being socially responsible and, and good citizens and, and doing what they're supposed to be by not making contact with people that is not essential. And this then goes back to the CFL, and they've done already a lot of things where combines have been canceled, the global draft now is moved back. But it really does start to beg the question, if timelines are to be believed, which I can't see why they would be too far off on any of this because they are experts and they know what they're researching. But let's, we you know, two, two months from now, we're talking about... May. The beginning of training camp two months from now, right? And most think that it'll be at least two months before we see any significant change in this COVID-19. And then I heard today something very fascinating was that it may take three weeks of zero new cases before there's confidence enough to say, okay, we can start moving back towards a normal existence. So tag that onto the two months, you're up to three months, you're into the CFL schedule, lock, stock, and barrel. Absolutely. And that's in a best case scenario where everyone has bought into this, Don. And, and I mean, we've certainly seen on social media that not everyone is abiding by what they're supposed to do. You have people outside doing things that they shouldn't be doing in terms of not isolating, being with friends, uh, making contact. And um, certainly I see that in my community and, and you hear leaders in different places saying that they may or may not push uh, stricter me methods. I, that's not the right word, but but I guess limitations on people. Uh, they're not willing to do that. So, I mean, this, this three months that you're talking about could extend out beyond that as well. And if it does, the CFL schedule is supposed to start in June. We won't see that. I, I highly doubt that. Does it start in July? Probably not. And then as Andrew was indicating last week, there's a possibility we could have a second wave, maybe more fierce, maybe less fierce, but a second wave maybe in the fall, which is October. Oh, you know, you're just, what do you do? This is, it's the CFL 2020 schedule right now. No one wants to countenance this, but it could be up for grabs depending on where this pandemic plays out in the next while. Absolutely. And, and bringing players from, you know, around North America and, and indeed around the world now with the global uh, draft um, may not be the thing to be doing at this point in time either. So, I mean, are they likely to alter the schedule? Absolutely. 
I think at this point it's not uh, it's not will they it's it's how much will they or if the league goes at all so I mean that's that's likely to potentially have some impact in terms of playoffs and how do we take a look at playoffs if the league in fact is able to go on a restricted or reduced level you know we've had lots of discussion you and I and it's been fascinating having the discussion with even as Andrew uh, got in with us as to what could happen but it's possible that we may be limited to things like vintage games on TSN for the whole season, which would be awful, in my view. It beats the alternative of having nothing. That's right. And I'd much rather watch the 1966 Grey Cup again or the 71 Grey Cup, if they could ever find the original television broadcast of it in its complete form. It would just, I think... Uh, you have to get creative in situations like this. And I think the CFL, TSN, oh, we talked about Superfan. He has an amazing collection of games that is beyond belief. But uh, I don't think he'd want to go out and do this because, my goodness, the effort would be insane. But uh, It sure would. But, but you know, let's put a shout-out for TSN. Let, why don't we take a look at it? And uh, they're often doing the, you know, the top 100 plays of the decade. Well, Maybe the top 100 CFO games from the, you know, let's go from the, the, what would you say, starting in the 1960s to now and start playing some of the games with some commentary to set up why the game was important or what was going on at the time. I think that would be something that, that CFO viewers would love to watch. I know I would. Oh, I'd be totally fascinated by it. Uh, I don't know how many games you'd actually get from the 60s because I don't know how many were recorded that still exist to this day that's one of the things i'm really sad about is that archiving of football games mm -hmm. not the greatest no uh you're probably looking maybe mid-70s before we start seeing a real influx of recorded games that would be available even if you were to start with that and, and you know some of the playoff games i'm sure were archived as well maybe in the 60s so if you were to start there and start having you know um media personnel from all around canada and and our CFL fans start to put together a kind of blog, if you will, or a vote as to which games they would posit as being the, the ones that are the most interesting games that they've watched. Because certainly from, from our perspective, Don, uh, we would take a look at it being Ryder fans. We've, we've watched a lot more of those games in our youth and as we've uh, grown. So we would have that one. But I think you need people from all over Canada to vote on those to say what are the games that were important in the league at the time among all of the teams. Remember CBC used to have, uh, in the run-up to Grey Cup, they'd have a vote on which vintage Grey Cup games they would show. I love that. And I I totally love that. I thought that was so amazing. And sit back and watch how they covered the game, what the style of play was. Emphasis back then far more on running than it ever is now. Absolutely. Kicking game was even bigger then than it is now. It really was an eye-opener, and it kind of brought me back a little bit to my youth. I mean, I remember games going quite far back, but not as far back as CBC went. With TSN putting on all the replays, I agree. I, I mean, why wouldn't we start to take a look at some of this? And, and even if you're waiting until, you know, maybe it is waiting until May when the season is supposed to get underway there's no news in the cfl if the camps aren't going at that point let's start putting some things together i think we have to start lobbying the tsn don 
Well, maybe people will, and maybe <laughs> I, I would imagine TSN would be amenable to it because they've got to fill airwaves, Absolutely. and if they've got an audience that's waiting, saying, "Hey, we'll watch archive CFL football games," just put them on. I think they'd be more than happy to oblige. It would be fantastic, and uh, you know, I would be watching again if you if you made it the top hundred games. That's going to take a long time, but if you made it the top twenty five and you played, you know, one every Thursday, Friday, Saturday for a period of two or three months. Uh, I think people would start watching them, and I, I think it would be interesting to see what the majority of CFL pundits would argue are the top games. What I think you'd find is that there'd be, just because of the, the lack of archives of previous eras, you'd have a few from the 60s, a few more from the 70s, a few more from the 80s, a lot heavier in the 90s, and then anything post-2000, you'd have the pick of the litter and you could just go crazy. I mean, one of the games that sticks out in my mind, Milt Stiegel, 100 yards against the Eskimos on the final play of the game. That is, to me, the most amazing finish ever. You know what, Don? This might be a great topic for us to talk about in one of our upcoming ones. What are the things that we recall in terms of the games that really um, lit a fire under you or got you excited about the CFL? That would be a lot of fun because... There's nothing more in this world that I enjoy watching is Canadian professional football. And that would be a big kick for me to talk about stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you what, if if we uh, don't see the CFL meetings going on, we know they've talked about having a teleconference. And if we have something to say, we'll certainly come back to talk about that. But if we don't, Don, then uh, maybe what we need to do is keep this. And, and if any of our listeners have other suggestions of things that we could potentially be talking about, we're open because we want to keep talking CFL football. Exactly. There's a lot going on in the world. Let's give people a little bit of respite and let's talk some Canadian football. After after talking to Andrew last week, he was so hopeful that we'd be playing this year. I really am crossing fingers, toes, and anything else I can find that a season comes together. Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, it would... Uh... It would bring that ray of hope in, in, in what's been a tough time for many people. So, Well, can you imagine after all of this and then they finally get to play? Can you imagine the energy in the stadium? Oh, I can't. I've, I've, I get excited. My heart rate's going up just thinking about that, Don. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at ThirdDownGamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-O-W-N-G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.